0: listen in your car in your house on the internet on whatever lend me your fingers your eyes your ears or as one jack foley might ask your feet and walk with me in this story about people who create sound the story of a foley artist from dublin named Quiva doyle and a story of the man who gave his name to the art, Jack Donovan Foley. Listen. Jack Foley's movie career began in 1914 in the high desert town of Bishop, California. Foley was working at the local hardware store when some Hollywood producers came to town looking for spots to shoot westerns. Foley offered to help and got a job as a location scout before eventually being hired by Universal Pictures in Los Angeles. In the decade that followed, Foley pitched in wherever he was needed on the Universal lot, playing everything from stuntman to silent movie director. But Foley's real story begins in 1927, when Hollywood began scrambling into the era of sound. This is how Foley recalled that time in an article he wrote for the Universal Club News, quarter of a century later.
1: The Warner kids on a neighbouring ranch had come up with a sound picture, the jazz singer, while the hard right in cliffhanging shoot-from-the-hip-boys on the Universal Ranch were complacently rounding up the last few scenes of the great American musical Showboat. A silent musical? Faces round here were so red, someone yelled, the Indians are going! Someone else asked, are we still in business? So signs appeared on doors around the lot calling on employees with any knowledge of radio to report to the head of the camera and
0: laboratory departments. Foley answered the call, citing as his knowledge of radio a short stint he had with the telephone company. A few days later, the sound team convened on stage 10 with the intention of turning the silent showboat into a real musical. Using a one-track recorder, Borrowed from the Warner Brothers, the sound team had to get all the sound in just a single take. The music, the cheering, the foot stomping, and everything in between.
1: Stagehands swayed to the rhythm of a 40-piece orchestra, and the rest of us watched the screen, putting in the sound effects and the laughter and the cheers as he just kept rolling along. And with Showboat on its way, other pictures on the silent
0: stage came in for sound shots. And so began on stage 10 the era of sound at Universal Pictures. And so to Ardmore Studios in Bray County, Wicklow.
2: So we're going into um, the main studio at Ardmore. And as you can see, there's a big mixing console. That's where um, the person who's recording sits and records what it is we're doing. And we have this large space here to work in. And as you can see, it's kind of a a mess of metal and car doors and squeaky hinges and metal stairs and bicycles and glasses and old computers and chunks of wood okay let's just check that back and see how that just works I'm just going to take so a
3: scoop of hair gel out and uh, place it between my palms setting up for this scene of the um, the egg coming out of the dragon the female dragon
2: Cueva knows a lot more than she thinks she knows about Foley. She catches on very quickly, and she did catch on very quickly when she started training. She just took off, and uh, she's got what it takes to be a great Foley artist. The first thing I think uh, a Foley artist needs is to have a love of filmmaking, and Cueva definitely has that. Um, you also have to have uh, creative sense. You have to be able to make sounds out of objects that don't even relate to the sound you're making. You also have to have good hand-eye coordination because we're watching the picture and we're making the sounds in sync with the characters on the screen. Foley is very physical. We're on our feet all day long. We're running and jumping and throwing objects around the room. Um, So you have to be in some kind of physical shape. And uh, Quiva's in good shape. She's able to throw any car door that I can throw around, she can throw it around.
3: (laughs) At the moment we're working on Rain of Fire and there's a visiting Foley artist, Andy Malcolm. Um, he'll, He'll chat himself but uh, no introduction would do him justice. Um, (laughs) Where is he? Where is he sitting beside me? Um, And uh, so we're doing a 15-day Foley shoot on Rain of Fire, and we're coming to the end of our second week.
2: We look at the film that we're working on, sometimes on a television monitor and sometimes on the big screen, and essentially what we do is we match all the sounds to what we see so we're performing it all live so right now we're doing um, individual characters footsteps we choose our characters at the beginning of the movie so Cuevas, aj the guy that we're doing now and i'm quinn so we've been sort of going back and forth and we try and share the load
3: this movie is a little different because a lot of there's a lot of cgi which is that you know the uh the, I don't know how would you explain that. It's like when they computer-generated computer generated, Is that what that stands for? All right, computer-generated images. So we're working to a dragon that's just a computer image at the moment. So it's, it's difficult to, um, to know beforehand what you're gonna need to bring that to life, You know, to give it that extra element.
0: To visitors, Foley's stage looked more like a garage than a recording studio. Apart from the heaps of loose dirt and gravel Foley used for making the footsteps, there were piles of miscellaneous gunk shoes, old clothes, newspapers, telephones, kitchen utensils. But there was a method to Foley's mess. On his first path through a movie, Foley added footsteps. On a second and third path, incidental sounds like closing doors and props. For the final path, he'd sit on a chair holding various clothes, which he'd manipulate to create the sound of body rustle.
2: We're going out to Cuiva's props room, which is uh, just outside the studio door. Tell
3: us. So this is the prop room, and... uh... Right here we have um these are some bullet uh cartridges is that what they're called um and they're, I don't know whether they they're about four inches long, fifty mil cartridges. They were firing off this gun here on the lot, and uh we could hear them because it was in a you know in an enclosed area, and we could hear this tremendous boom, so we hunted it down and um they gave us some a headset to protect our ears. And uh, these things were flying off, you know, they shot off a couple of rounds. So they gave us the bullet cartridges and, uh, and they make an, they're making it very, you know, What are they good for? Well, we're, we're going to use them in this movie when um, that same gun that we heard is actually featured in the film. So when they're shooting off the rounds, the cartridges are flying through the air and hitting the deck, you know, of, of, the, of the tank that they're on. Almost a year ago, I um, kind of catalogued it the way it is today. And uh, that doing that, that took a couple of days, and doing that, that really helped me know what's in the room. So when we're doing a session inside and something's needed... um,
2: One of the things at my studio in Canada is that we use the whole house. So if somebody's walking in a living room, I have a living room. If somebody's putting something in the microwave, I'll put... I actually have the microwave right there, and, and as Cleve mentioned, you know, driving a car in. So, I try and keep it as real as possible. If we need a creaky door, we just use this. Metal stairs, the sound of metal stairs. So every, kind of everything thing you, you cross is the potential, really? going back into the studio. we were setting up to do the sound of breaking bones.
3: Um this is dried pasta and uh, there's there's a mix in here, scgetti and penne. But the penne is the one that's really good for um, nose breaks, bone breaks, that type of thing. Well, yesterday there was uh, there were two pretty interesting scenes yesterday. Um, and one of them was where this dragon that's taken over, there's like a, a flock of dragons, would you have a flock, have taken over the earth? And one of them um, uh, confronts this kid in a cave and spits out this uh, venom and uh, hits the kid in the face and, and kind of burns his eyes and all that, you know, gruesome stuff. And then the, the venom being spat in the child's face, that was, <laughs> that was my carrot and ginger soup from Avoca and um a jar of uh of tomato soup from the fridge it's gone a bit minging that was sitting in the fridge for a while and um and um paper mache um there's another part where uh the main character of the film can I give the names yeah sure. Okay, Uh, where Christian Bale pulls um, an egg, an embryo inside an egg, outside out of the female dragon, and he sticks his hands inside her, and he pulls out this big egg, and it's all goo and gunge, and uh, and then he just holds it. It's it's gross. So for that, we both myself and Andy, I got some uh, dodgy blue hair gel down in uh, the pound shop. This is the cheapest hair gel on the market. Euro shop, shopper. <laughs> Electric blue hair gel and it's great for um, this type of thing. Um, you just take out a nice good dollop of it and uh, put it in between your, your hands and sort of work it around and you can get varying different sounds. You can get kind of like the farty sounds and then the and You can get a kind of a vacuumy, a vacuumy one too. So yeah, good old goo. So we had a big dollop of that in our hands and squished our hands together, and you get kind of like a farty, gulpy, squelchy thing going on, and then layered that with um, if you clean a, a hospital tiled surface, that type of floor surface and clean it good and proper and then put your chamois down and wet it and and well i've just um put the chamois down on that kitchen floor surface that i was chatting to you about and um and it's wet it's it's pretty moist actually and i'm just gonna this will be a taster i pinch it and pinch it right in the center and then i slowly pull it up and um and that's the sand. Maybe just a little bit more water and then um, and it should work a little better. Like with any of this sort of stuff, like there's no guarantee and it's kind of trial and error and you just keep working it and, and uh, push it down tight onto the tiles and then pinch it in the centre and lift it up gently and you can get a, you know, nice and gross and, um, and a bone uh, penne pasta um, scrunch to get the bones breaking. So this will be the bones breaking, penny pasta, penny pasta in the middle of the chamois and then sort of group wrap the chamois around it and then um, this will be the bones of the mother dragon snapping as he pulls the egg out of her. and all of those layers together, and it, uh, it worked a
2: treat. Yeah, watch this and listen to, to what uh, the combination of the sounds is like.
1: A creature has been awakened that has lain dormant for millions of years.
2: Uh, we can... Come up with just about any sound you can think of. And part of the trick is getting it in sync with what's happening on the screen. When you saw that um, egg being pulled out, what made it work is that you hit all the punctuation points and uh, it looks real. I mean, who knows what the sound of pulling a a dragon egg out of a, a dead dragon sounds like? You know, you just make it up as you go.
0: While hard sound effects like gunshots and explosions were still being cut from a library, Foley learned that he could custom make many sound effects with more subtlety on his stage. Crispy vegetables could be used for raking bones and eggs for squishing monsters. And so when Blake Edwards needed a comical motor sound for the pink submarine in Operation Petticoat, Foley supplied the main sound element by recording a big burp and then looping it. Strange.
4: Still
2: that number one engine. I guess they were never able to fix that. Listen. Well, my name's Alan Collins. I'm the facility manager of Ardmore Sound. And we're based on, on the Ardmore Studios lot in Bray, County Wicklow. So, Cueva Doyle is the most qualified folio artist in the country. And it's the problem with Foley in Ireland is there's probably enough, not enough work to keep more than one person busy. So, for major feature films, we usually need two Foley artists. So, we always bring somebody in either from the UK or from Canada, somewhere like that, depending on what, what the budget allows. Andrea King is this woman's name who we bring in from the UK all the time. Andrea's great, she does lots of shows. They work well together, they to kind of complement each other, I think.
5: Um, something
3: to mimic the uh, pepper pepper mill, and things are sounding too hollow. So um, that's sounding um, still a bit ringy. We have our own little kind of treasures that we bring to each job.
5: They're very precious. They're very precious to us. Our little treasures.
3: Yeah,
5: and we're very familiar
3: with them. So there's no question of who's
5: is who. <coughs> I'll go back out. We're trying to, start to find a salt cellar dropping on the floor. That's it, Michelle. That might work, this is a spring off of a uh, soldier in iron. Stuffed. Have a listen.
4: Yeah.
5: The glass is coming off the table, yep, and smashed on the floor.
3: But there's bits of shards of glass up there. In the, uh, see where we've taken out the, the cubes? There's uh, bits of glass up there and wedged in from one scene in one film, where we got a sound mixer to uh, give it a belt, give a load of bottles a belt with a hurley, and he's from Cork and he gave it a
5: fierce whack. It's John, yeah, and the glass went flying all up into the walls. Just down the road, there's a skip, and they are just chucked out loads of stuff, and um, we filled the studio with coovers and prams and exercise little machines and. Yeah, so
6: yeah,
5: oh. definitely junk is our world. This film's been fantastic. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been good fun because it's a uh, it's a black comedy. It's hard work in comedies. You obviously, you've got to spice up the effects a bit and make it funnier. So uh, there's a lot of work involved, but yeah, it's been good fun. <laughs>
2: few
3: teddies,
6: don't
3: we? I'll
4: just go out and get some teddies. Um, I'm Hugo and I'm the Foley editor. So my role is to go through the week before they start recording and have a look at every single part of the movie and cue up each footstep. For example, for the first week, they recorded footsteps, and I would look at what the character, the shoes they're wearing, and the surface they're walking on, when they start walking, and, and then I'd cut it out when they finish walking. There's a toy in this that the, the little girl is throwing at the guy with the blindfold, and it's, it's a bit of a Star Wars. There's just this particular toy in it that the picture editor really likes to make extremely wild. Yeah, so there's, um, there's a man sitting in a chair... He has a blindfold on, and he's attempting to catch toys that are thrown at him by a little girl. That's on the monitor in front, and for the girls recording the Foley, we will, they'll be standing in front of the mic with the prop. They have a television monitor, we have a television monitor, and we have the recording desk. So when we hit record, the pitch will start playing. Um, we have a thing called a wipe, which uh, runs across the screen from left to right. And when that hits a certain point, the girls know that's the point they have to do the, make the move, make the sound, because we're recording at that stage.
3: OK, the first track of
6: Toys on onto ground.
3: So we're not really sure what it is, but it looks kind of weird. So we've got good license to do whatever we want with it. So we're going to make it kind of kind of bit zany.
4: It's great. Yeah.
1: Always, on the always,
0: while the white play. Foley's biggest challenge came in 1959 with Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus. The film's most climactic scene had the entire Roman army marching into battle with swords, shields, and chainmail, and the original location sound was unusable. Kubrick wanted to send the whole army back to Italy for a reshoot just to get the sound. Before doing so, Kubrick decided to visit Foley's studio. Joseph Kofsky, Foley's colleague, listened into Kubrick's conversation. He says, I don't want to hear footsteps. I want to hear something else. And uh, we said, we can come up with something. So we were thinking and thinking and thinking. A few days later, Jim Troutman, another sound man on the Universal lot, peeked into stage 10 as Foley was projecting the film. He was watching. These guys, and they were all dressed in chainmail, and they had their swords, and they were walking on the dirt. And Jack went out to his car, and he had two big wooden boxes back there of a, a ring with keys on them, all kinds of keys. And he walked into the room, and he stood up in front of the mic, and he went, shh, 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 shh. The Roman army coming down the hill. He saved two, three days' work and made it sound like it should have sounded. Like.
4: I don't think a lot of people hear what we do. I guess if you go to the movies, it's a big difference. And nowadays, you have like home cinema systems and all your surround sound and stuff, and you'll hear it there. But on your average TV, you wouldn't—you'd miss everything completely. I guess you leave a movie, and if it's if the picture edits right, it looks great. But I think if the soundtrack is fantastic, then I think it's the part of the movie that sucks you in. And if something is wrong, you jump back out, and suddenly you're back in a cinema.
5: Yeah, we're in a bar scene at the moment um, Just did a few separate um, slurp tracks And um, now we're going to do a background bar atmos But it's a very quiet bar, so it's going to be very stewed <coughs> yes.
3: oh, no, They don't really do crystalline bars, do they?
5: The guy that trained me for a couple of years has been working for 17 years in the business. great guy to be trained with. And that's where I picked up all the little tricks of the trade and and it got passed down to me. Like I said, you can't go to college, you've got to be trained by someone. You got trained by a Canadian guy. Yeah, Canadian
3: fellow, and he's been doing it about 20-odd years or something. But one of the oldest people were doing it was Beryl.
5: Beryl the Boot, her nickname is, and uh, Shoni just died. She's recently just died. Yeah, very famous for a foley. Very famous. She was. She's, is she
3: the oldest one, or was the oldest one? She on was the time?
5: oldest in England. Yeah, she's been doing it for donkey's years. There's a lot of ex dancers that are into it, which uh, for the rhythm factor of doing the feet, they've got good rhythm. And a lot of you know, shows have dancing in it. We've done some Irish dancing that Queevers had to uh, teach me the one, two, three step of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the Irish tea. dance. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the back of a van, so we're doing interior van. It's a real messy van and we're trying to make it rattle. I've got a suitcase in my hand, I've got a car door and we're going to make it rattle.
3: Well, this is um, a Conor McPherson' film called The Actors. And um, you might know him from I Went Down. That was another one of his, very funny. And um, this is uh, another comedy uh, with three main characters are Michael Gambon and Michael Caine and uh, Dylan Moran, our own Irish fella. And, um, and it's hilarious, it's brilliant. So it's, the sound that they need for this type of film is uh, over-the-top they said, ham it up, you know, because they want it kind of animated. And when you see the characters um, in it, y- you can see there's loads of licence to go OTT. There was a skip on the lot um, yesterday, and uh, Doug Murray, who's the supervising sound editor, uh, pounded on me as I got out of my car, and he was like, there's a skip full of goodies up around the corner, so we went up, and all this gear, not the wheelchair, but all that other gear there, that lovely hoover and bits and this. We were just in it. so we were in in the skip, pulling stuff out. Monday morning, in the skip. <sighs> it was great.
5: An arbor sound, I have to say, has a fantastic props room. It really does. Because a lot of studios you go to haven't got the props, so that's why you have to inquire so much. And you're trying to make uh, a telephone out of a bit of plastic and a camera. But, I mean, look at this. sound has a great den here full of everything. This is for a little girl writing. No, don't, don't it. okay, it's a win prize, a paper clip. And these are the secret, secret Foley, sort of side of the secret Foley that, that Foley artists don't like sharing. <laughs> I don't mind, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Foley artists that, you know, keep their tricks to themselves because it's their job.
0: Catherine Clark is Jack Foley's granddaughter.
6: We all have very fine memories of him. Um, my generation is lucky enough to have known him our children did not. So we have kept his memory alive. We all have pictures. I have saved uh, articles, clippings of not only of him, but of the fully work that is being done today and put together a rather large-sized book right now. It's, it's like a phone directory, something like in Xerox. Uh, and have given out to many people in the studios as well as the family. So we've kept it alive, um, also with the Lifetime Achievement Award we have kept his memory alive. That was, uh, what, in 1997, uh, he was acknowledged. I have a lot of fond memories that continue. Um, it was supposed to be the secret of the movie business. You know, that was one of the things they didn't want people to know went, went on behind the scenes. They wanted people to figure it was just part of the movie, the magic of movie, as it were. Um, until, what, ten years ago, uh, I was taking a tour at Paramount Studios with a friend who was visiting, and met two fellows who were standing outside of the Foley soundstage there. And I went up and introduced myself, and I said, "You fellows, are you Foley men? And they said, yes. And and I said, I'm Jack Foley's granddaughter. And these guys got so excited. They didn't know that Foley was a person. They thought it was a machine. They had been doing Foley, but they did not know that it was actually a person. And now he is acknowledged, and I'm sure he's up in the heavens smiling, but he would have been embarrassed had he been down here because he was, as much as he loved the business, he was pretty, pretty much of a simple man, a quiet man, and he didn't like a lot of recognition. He liked, um, he enjoyed seeing other people, but he didn't like to receive it himself.
0: Foley was gone, but not forgotten. Joseph Sakovsky. So eventually what actually happened, just like a drop in the water, that ripple effect went out all over, that all of a sudden everybody's doing it. Now they call it Foley. Let's go on a stage and do Foley.
3: Well, a lot of the Foley sounds that we make um, would be hole filling, you know, and uh, kind of just the regular sounds that need to be replaced and nothing very exciting or or that. But occasionally we get to make some sounds that will add another level to the soundscape um, and uh, give it a little bit more, you know. This is a this is a little trick that we use for car tyres screeching around corners and robberies and stuff, you know, get the getaway car. And um, so what it is is you just you pour some water on the uh, hospital tiles here that we have. Just your kind of kitchen tiles. And you get your hot water bottle, hot wally wally, and and um, and then you can move it down to the Bit too and you get a different type of it <coughs> all sorts of fun <coughs> this is as old as the hills this one and uh, every car chase you've ever heard has been a hot water bottle on kitchen tiles but um, we're so accustomed now to hearing that that if it's not there, The director will go, where's the screeching tires are, you know, because, but it's, uh, but now you all know we've been tricked for years.
0: For years to come, Foley's name echoed through Hollywood's back lots, eventually becoming synonymous with the craft he helped to develop. A just recognizance, considering that for his 33 years on stage 10 and some 5,000 miles walked for the stars, Jack Foley never received a single on-screen credit. Then again, you weren't supposed to know he existed. Listen.
3: This is uh, the the water reward at the end of a, a thirsty day, a busy day.